Hey there, folks. It is Brock Dittus, executive producer of the Sprocket Podcast. I am speaking to you from my new home in Salem, Oregon. I got to say, I miss Portland, Oregon, but I do also want to say that you can just about anywhere live a low-car lifestyle and uh, enjoy your bicycle and enjoy all the amenities of the community around you. You got to find the good stuff, and I am doing that here in Salem. So this week we are bringing you the very first episode we ever recorded with Guthrie Straw back when he was a guest, not a co-host. He is a great co-host. Uh, he was also a great guest, and so we're going to bring you this from January of 2014. Enjoy. Happy Memorial Day, and we'll talk to you soon. Never gets old. Yeah, it's, it's great. Keeps us keeps us fresh. <laughs> this you is know, exactly it, why I edit. It's, it's actually it's great that it does that because we have all these nerves and anxieties as you're about to push that button, right, and then right. when you screw it up, like all of that energy is released. And then there's a comedic like, release. Yeah, yeah, we mm-hmm. feel good. <laughs> and then you realize it actually was recording. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life and de-stressing our nerves. My name is Brock Dittis. And I'm Aaron Flores, Portland as fuck, Damn nestled in the heart of Cascadia. <laughs> we are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, and simpler living. And today, today uh, we got Guthrie Straw. Portland bike tours. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's good to have you, Guthrie. Uh, we met you, I met you on the Film by Bike Jury, which we were both a part of. And uh, that was a fantastic experience, which I'm sure we will enumerate soon. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, we are drinking some stuff. Aaron, what you got? We're drinking some stuff. I, I have a... Sp- Spring Grove Soda Pop Company Lemon Sour. Sounds like a nice place. Oh, that's. Oh, do you need tools? It's not a twist off, is it? It looks like it's twist off. You're gonna but kill it's your wrecking, hands. It's man. wrecking Here, my hand. Catch the catch this. Nice. All right. Here we go. For anybody who can't see, which is everyone, uh, it was a flawless ex- execution of the toss and catch. Props to Aaron. Oh damn, they weren't kidding. Yeah, that is tart. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. It's the strongest thing you can get under 21. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I forgot, which one did we get you, Guthrie? Uh, we've got the Wanderlust IPA from oh, yes. Breakside Brewery. Appropriate, because you, you enjoy the bicycle touring and such. Yeah, also live or work pretty close to uh, Burnside. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and let's see here. I've got the Elysian, the Immortal IPA, which I haven't had. Uh, you, can you toss me the opener oh. again? It's... Uh, <laughs> Just like a flawless execution one more time i was gonna say like keystone cops but we weren't falling over so it's okay <laughs> um the elysian ipa from or excuse me the immortal ipa from elysian brewing and elysian does a fantastic beer business up in seattle uh that was our second beer stop on my beer tour with my friends back in 2011 and uh was we, that the one coming down from washington yes that you guys okay yeah that summer i did two trips along the i-5 corridor <laughs> right. one southbound and one northbound <laughs> it was pretty great uh but we were significantly impaired that day <laughs> i won't say that uh, i won't say we rode drunkenly through the streets of seattle because that would be illegal and wrong and we don't recommend it no one do that but you can imagine what that would be like so um yeah Hey, uh, we did some things. I did some stuff. You did and some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get to the thing that I did out the edge field at the end of the show. So I'll save that for sure. mail. Do you want to talk about jurying? Uh, yes, yes. I was on the film by bike jurying. Uh, jur- jury. Fuck, that word is hard to conjugate. It's a good thing you weren't out in the country. <laughs> yeah, then I would be a, a rural, rural jury. Jur- <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a 30 rock reference, right? Yes. Okay. I know it's funny. I, I sometimes forget why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Guthrie, you and I were on the film by bike jury and first time for you. Yeah. First time for me. That's I think for almost everybody, it was a first time juring experience. I think they like to have not repeat members. So right, switch right. it up year to year. Yeah. Cause you get jaded something and it has to be a jury of your peers, I assume. So, uh, yeah, uh, fresh batch of films sent out and, uh, let's see, actually one of them featured, well, I'm, I, I'll save that. I can't. Don't want to spoil the surprise for anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. We got to watch films on uh, Friday night and Sunday night, uh, leaving Saturday night conveniently open. And 
it went faster. I don't know how you felt, through, but it went faster than I expected it to. Yeah, definitely. Like I was still ready to watch a bunch more films. I had I had thought it would be longer, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and I was like, I was getting ready to sit down for about seven hours, and I, I could watch films all day on bicycles. So. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> and um, Alien Crotty, who runs Film by Bike, um, she uh, she actually sent out a link today. This is all confidential stuff. She sent out a link to a video that uh, we weren't able to watch during the actual juror sessions, but. Um, I watched it today and it was pretty good. So I have no doubt that will get in. And when it does, and then when the public has seen it, then we can talk about it and how cool it was. So, yeah. Uh, Film by Bike happens in April, and uh, the date escapes me. Is the 19th? Is the, there's a big poster on the table that will help me out with that. <laughs> I have a stack of the posters here on the table. And, yeah, the 19th is the big kickoff party. It's when they shut down part of Clinton Street. And it's a great be, party. And too. you've been to it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I have not yet been to the Film by Bike Street Party. Oh, really? I've been to Film by Bike a couple different times. I've enjoyed myself immensely, but I've never been to the street party itself. Oh, it's yeah, it's tons of fun. Yeah. Um, the I don't know if they'll be there this year, but the guys from uh, Craig Mind Chain were there doing okay. their uh, uh, bike confessions. That's right. That was one of the big, uh, yeah, one of the big features last year. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, New Belgium is there, like you know, providing beer. That's right. And I can't um, remember if they're still on this year for beer or not, but. Um, but, They've done it in past years, though. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. I would expect yeah. that to be the case. If not, there will be beer. I promise you. And, <laughs> Get Hopworks. Oh, what was that? Get Hopworks. Yeah. Yeah, Hopworks is great. Uh, do you have a uh, favorite Hopworks beer? Um, I'm a fan of their IPA. Okay. They I, do a good thing. Yeah. Oh, the, all of them are great. Yeah. The Seven Grain Stout was the very first coffee beer I'd ever had. And uh, I've had others that I also enjoy, but I always think of that as kind of like kicking off the coffee beer awareness in my mind. Just the idea that you can have beer and coffee at the same time, <laughs> which is way classier than a Four loco. And they, t- they took the caffeine <laughs> out of that shit anyways. Both. No, man. The last time I had a Four loco, maybe it's because the caffeine wasn't there. Yeah. That shit is terrible. <laughs> also, it's like 600 calories for a 24-ounce can. So that's, that's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. You can get significantly impaired in the same... Uh, at least to the same degree and consume far fewer calories. So now that I'm watching my, my waistline, it's a good thing to be aware of. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And of course it was at Velo Cult. It was in the basement, uh, which is always oh, great. Oh, did you guys sit in the, like the theater seats yeah. that they have down there? Yeah, oh. totally. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, the attached swingers room, I think is what Sky calls it. The, <laughs> the shag carpet and the fantastic yes. vintage accessories and everything. And a fishbowl where everyone puts their keys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have an estimation, Guthrie, of how many beers you consumed while you were watching these films? Uh, well, just beers. Uh, it's about two a night, but okay, that's not so, too bad. Somebody did drop a bottle of bourbon by, so. Uh, well, actually, I didn't drop a bottle of bourbon. I dropped a snifter full of some bourbon, and there was still some left when I picked it up. But uh, yes, I am responsible for there being whiskey on the floor. I'm very sorry, Bill O'Colt. <laughs> and George, who works there, is one of the jurors as well. And I was like, George, I dropped it. What do I do? He's he was, like, it'll be pretty okay. Chill. It'll be okay. George is a pretty chill, dude. Um, uh, what else? There was uh, other things we wanted to discuss. Uh, Rolling Oasis, Brandon Rhodes, former co-host, is starting a bicycle-based oh, produce yeah. delivery business. Uh, I think I shared it on the Twitter recently, but uh, that's still uh, still kind of in the process. He's getting it started, and that's going to be out in the Lentz neighborhood. So if you live in East Portland and you're interested in getting fresh produce delivered by bike sustainably, uh, local fresh produce delivered sustainably by bike, it's like everything you want from produce. So um, that will be Rolling Oasis, and we will put links on the website to that. Um, on my way back from the film by bike jury last night, um, I stayed later and I think I had more beers than you did, Guthrie. Um, I was still, I was still fine. I think like I was well within the bounds of like safety, but I, um, I did trip as I was carrying my bike up the steps at the Hollywood transit center. Um, there was this lady sitting there on the corner of the steps, like right at the top. And maybe I was like nervous or distracted or something, but I tripped on like the top step, dropped my bike and, uh, my glasses came sliding off of my face and hit the pavement. And they're made of recycled plastic, which I was very proud of. But that means like it's recycled plastic, so it may not be as durable as other polymers. And the left arm, uh, you call it arms, like yeah, the, sure. the left piece that yeah. folds out and goes over your ear, uh, snapped off cleanly right at the uh, the corner. So right now they're being held together by electrical tape, which is surprising me. I wouldn't have known. Thank you. I have dark glasses. That's why I chose electrical tape. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So anyways, I got to figure out to uh, get some super glue or some other... Uh, some other bonding agent, try and put them back together. Or I might have to order new frames. Yeah. Don't try 
to like melt them together. <laughs> Wait, did you do that? I did that with an old pair of glasses. Okay. I don't know if you remember. They I broke think I down do. the down the center. Oh, right, right on the bridge of your nose. Yeah, and so I tried to melt them together and actually set them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> because oil based things actually burn. <laughs> Holy shit! Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, so yeah, kids, don't try this at home. <laughs> I took them. I took them to uh, what is it? Asterisk. I repair. Oh yeah, uh, uh, our wear. local independent yeah, down on frames. Fiftieth like and, and Foster. Yeah, uh, great guys. But yeah, they had a good laugh about you know, it. <laughs> for the longest time, I thought that Asterisk was a Walmart industry or business. Like I thought they had some freestanding thing because they oh, use really? an Asterisk as their thing, and the Asterisk. Oh, holy shit! Walmart's yeah. is te- technically not an Asterisk. That's a bunch of syllables I can't say. Walmart's branding is actually one of those like, bing like. It doesn't connect in the middle. It's not like one symbol. It's a bunch of little lines. Oh, the right, asterisk right. is actually a. It's you can type that on a keyboard. But they were similar enough that I always thought that they were connected, Somehow and they are not. They were. Yes, asterisk eyewear is not owned by Walmart. You can shop there and feel good about yourself. <laughs> so yeah. Um, oh yeah, fossil fuel divestment. I heard about this in a couple different places. Uh, it's really fascinating. The city of Eugene heard about this on Think Out Loud through OPB here in Oregon. And uh, I believe the city of Eugene began the process of divesting their city funds and savings and whatnot from oil. And uh, former guest Allison Wiley had a post on her blog about this a oh. while back. It was, I'm trying to remember, it was, it was sometime back, but uh, she had an open letter to her alma mater, the place she went for oh, her yeah, education, yeah, yeah. saying, hey, um, I, I am a person who cares about these things, and it would mean a lot to me if you folks would choose not to invest your money in funds that support the oil industry. Because of all the problems it causes, you know, there's ethical problems. There's wars, of course, that have been fought, uh, arguably, about oil. And, uh, yeah, and it's bad for the environment and all that. So there's a bunch of things you could be worried about around that. And um, basically, she said, yeah, please uh, please take your money out of these funds and invest it in more socially conscious places. So now the city of Eugene, uh, Oregon, just south of us, about two hours, uh, maybe three hours by Amtrak, something like that, or maybe two and a half hours by bus. But you can get there any number of ways. Two days by Two bike. Two days by bike, <laughs> which we did. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of cool. It's good to hear about it. And I hear it's, uh, it's being done in other places. And Guthrie, you're nodding your head. Do you know anything more about this? I don't have a lot of facts at hand, but... Yeah, there's also a student campaign that's going on around various campus, campuses across the U.S. Uh-huh. Um, so, for example, uh, the university I went to, Pacific University, out in Forest Grove, Oregon, collected over 900 signatures uh, for a similar movement. And uh, considering that the student campus body is about 1800 it was actually a, a pretty large campaign put on that's like 50 percent. that's like 51 percent majority yeah. so, um Not well quite. so it, it consisted of some alumni it also had faculty and staff included okay um, but it's, it's part of a larger movement that has been going across uh, at least to my knowledge in the campus position across the u.s yeah yeah so yeah and actually it, it has been i think as far as i know kind of a collegiate movement uh, so it was really interesting to hear about a, a city government saying this is something we should think about as well so, and I guess if it was going to happen anywhere, it would happen in Eugene first. I'm really proud of our state of Oregon for that town and what, what uh, good things have come out of that. So, uh, really fascinating. So, I'm curious. I don't know where I would start to look into my own things. I've always thought about that. Like, I kind of hate the idea that the systems that we live inside are built on a bunch of broken shit. Um, so, you know, small changes first. But I, I, I would love someday to figure out how you could do that. Uh, one thing I thought about actually was... Um, back when they were talking about big banks and uh, there was a move your money day Yeah, yeah. back uh, about two years ago, about the same time as the Occupy movement, not connected to the Occupy movement as far as I know, but uh, happening about around the same time where they were encouraging people to pull their money out of the big banks that were causing all the financial shit that was going on around that time and put them into local banks. And so I've been banking with uh, Albina here in town for a good long while. And there's a bunch of credit unions and credit as well. Union, yeah. yeah, they're locally based. Technically not a bank. Technically not a bank. But those are great options for the thing. Like if you if you care about the issue and you want to move your money for for those reasons, uh, you can do that. Yeah. Um, the trick is like if you want to get a loan for any big purchase, usually like a home or something, it still is processed through the big power holders in New York City and um, and other places where they consolidate. Probably what headquartered in Delaware is that right? Where all the laws are no idea more amenable. To I mean that w- that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Delaware. I didn't mean that uh, in a bad way. Just in an honest way. Uh, but yeah. So anyways, I thought that was really fascinating. So I will try and put up some links to both the Think Out Loud show and to Allison Wiley's post. And I'm sure there's other information as well. So I'll, I'll search around for that a little bit. But I thought that was fascinating. And then lastly, Aaron, you and I were talking. Um, I've been talking a lot. You want to? Do you have a thing you want to share? 
Um, I I don't know what you're referencing right now. Oh, I'm nothing in particular. I just want to make sure you have time to <laughs> time to air your grievances oh. against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, so a couple things. One is a confession. Okay. Uh, and that is as I was coming over here, by the way, I was walking here today. I didn't, I didn't ride my bike. Um, we support that. Yeah. It was fans of pedestrians. It was nice. It was cold, but it It was, was. it was all right. Um, anyways, walking, um, from west of here coming up Stark. Okay. And going by that gas station on the corner Uh across the street, there is a Porsche coming out of the gas station Uh and Here's here's the confession side of this is <laughs> the Porsche is coming out and it, it's kind of sticking out but waiting you know for things to get clear and I'm approaching and I in my head I'm thinking oh I'm totally gonna walk in front and make this guy wait you know and totally you know just stick it to this guy for for being yeah for being in a Porsche being damn a it all motorist yeah. yeah and a motorist for God's sake. <laughs> And uh, as I approached, the Porsche actually reversed and backed up. And gave you space? And gave me space on the sidewalk. What a nice guy. Yes. Was it a guy? Uh, sure. Who knows? Windows were tinted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really I didn't really take a look. I did give a, nice like a, a little, a little yeah. nod and, and wave. Um, but yeah, felt, felt a bit chagrined, I right. must say. <laughs> yeah, like the people that you fundamentally disagree with can sometimes surprise you. Yeah. They're not yeah. terrible people. No, not always. It's it was good. It was it was good and it was it was kind of embarrassing, but I think in the meantime, like a good kind of embarrassing. Yeah. You know? Oh. Well that's cool. Yeah. Um secondly, I've been complaining about this before, but there are too many cars on the bike roads. Yeah, you mentioned I, this. I understand having those sharrows on there doesn't mean like those are bike only roads. Sure. But what the hell, man? <laughs> What's up with all these cars? What's up with all these cars? Okay. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Again, maybe it's just because I'm riding um more often with with a novice bicyclist as well in trying to use these roads um, a little bit more and also going maybe a little slower than I normally do that I'm noticing it more. And she's also very sensitive to cars. And, and, and so, you know, anytime a car approaches our speed almost cuts in half and, you know, we're way over on the side of the road. And I guess it's getting to a point where like, maybe I'm taking my, what is annoying me about, her style of riding and projecting it onto the cars. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is between you and she. <laughs> Maybe it's between her and I, and sure. I, I need to bring this up. But um, also just thinking like, you know, we're, I'm still allowed to be in the lane. That's true. You know, me pulling over is in a way kind of an act of courtesy, if if I can sound a little bit arrogant about it. Oh, totally, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure you can go to the technicalities of the Oregon Code that allows that, but I'm, in the end, it's there to it's there for the convenience of the cyclist, not necessarily for the convenience of the motorist. Right, so, right. Yeah. Anyhow, thirdly, yes, thirdly, and this is on the cyclists now. All right. Slow the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I realize this is coming slightly hypocritical. Coming from the guy who likes to pass people in Lycra. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, not wearing like, Lycra. This guy's this guy's got a carbon frame. I'm going to try to truck past him <laughs> in all 10 pounds of my paneers. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I was riding the bus today um, coming down Hawthorne. That would be the number 14. You were and so multimodal today. I, I have been. I'm today. proud of you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Walk, transit. And bike today. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. And on the streetcar. Holy shit. <laughs> this is almost episode 100 territory. <laughs> get you in a car to go. There we go. Well, what are we doing tonight? Uh, well. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, coming down Hawthorne and you know how on 39th um, or just past 39th, uh, the, the bus stop is like just right there on the corner. And, so, and it's a really kind of congested area uh-huh. there um the bus is parked there 
just about coming out and a cyclist passed the bus on the left, you know, but just as, as, the, as the bus is coming out. But in the meantime, the cyclist didn't see that there was a van parked in front of the bus ah. and almost rear-ended the van, Yikes. trying to dodge the van, actually ran into a parked car. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Haste makes waste, yes. as they say. Yes. And as the bus went on by its merry way, you could see there was a bit of some arguments going on. <laughs> as you would expect. And, and I I want to feel sympathy for the cyclists. I'm glad nobody was really hurt. Right. But in the meantime, slow the fuck down. Seriously. And and honestly, like I and again, I I know I this this maybe also come comes in a form of confession for me too. Like what we do on the roads as cyclists kind of influences how people see cyclists. True enough. You know, I think it was you who said it. It's like driving with a Jesus fish on your Right, car. right, yeah. You know, you might as well just be putting a big spotlight above you. <laughs> right. Like, Look yeah. at me. I'm over Like if here. you have any sort of identifying mark, uh, people are going to see you behaving badly and associate everyone like yeah, you with, yeah. with that behavior. So, yeah. Yeah. If you want people to like bicyclists, be nice. <laughs> if you want people to be bike-friendly... Let's bike friendly. Yeah. Ooh, that's it. There's a slogan. Oh, let's make a t-shirt. You heard it here first. <laughs> Patent pending. Excellent. Yeah. Mail it to yourself in an envelope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think that's it. What? Well, there's, there's other things, but we'll, we got no, no. plenty We've of time. bored you enough. Listeners. Seriously. And got through, I've... you're sitting there so patiently. It's about time we talk to you about <laughs> your thing. So all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us, first of all, you, you grew up in Oregon, correct? Yes. Yeah, better so... in Oregon for a long time. Yeah. I've been in Oregon for just about 24 years. There you go. Up to, the, up to this point. I was yeah. born on the east side of the state, um, spent about half my life over there, and then moved over to the west side and like to split my time between the two. There you go. Yeah. That's not a bad way to be. No, not at all. Yeah. And so you've done a bunch of bikey things. Uh, I think we're going to start maybe by talking about what you do with bikes here in town. So, sure. And then we'll talk about some, some touring and farther ranging things. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. So I work for Portland Bicycle Tours, also known as Cycle Portland. Um, I've been there for almost a year at this point, and my job is uh, part mechanic, part sales assistant, and part tour guide. You do everything. I do everything. <laughs> I, I even take the trash out <laughs> no, from there time you go. to time. <laughs> that is everything. Yeah, under the sun. Nice. So. And these are, um, these are tours around town, kind of like uh, sightseeing or like city-orienting tours? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, currently, we've, we've sort of cut our roster down a little bit this past year, but uh, we're looking to expand out maybe towards the gorge again. We used to do tours out there, but primarily what we do is take people out for a couple hours, show them the sights and the sounds, um, and we try to cater the tours to the interests of the person on the tour as well. So um, the, the largest tour group we typically take out is about 10 people. We like to keep a 10 to 1 guide ratio. And the most popular tour is uh, what's called our Essential Tour. And that pretty much just goes down uh, towards the Tomacall Waterfront Park, out towards Vera, Katz, East Bank, Esplanade. Uh, I like how you know the full names for all of them. Oh, yes. and, and You know your city well. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I do what I can. <laughs> um, this was part of the job requirements? It's, this is part of the job requirements. Um, yeah. Typically for guide stuff, you'll, you'll shadow a, an actual tour guide. So in this case, uh, when I was learning the ropes, I, I took a couple of uh, test tours with Evan, who's the owner of uh, Cycle Portland. But yeah, so we, we just like to show people around. There's actually a, a couple different tours that I mentioned that was our most popular. Um, but we also do like a brewery tour, an eatery tour. And then for the people that are a little more interested in sort of the city planning slash uh, bike-e-ness of the town, we do a neighborhood parkways and uh, like bikerama bike culture tour. Oh, nice. So that one, nice. that one focuses a little bit more on infrastructure and also uh, shows some of the historic parts of portland as relates to its bicycle history such as the zoo bomb pile um, oh, right, and that yeah. sort of thing as well yeah the zoo bomb pile is fantastic because uh, if anybody doesn't know the zoo bomb tradition is on sunday nights which is a killer for me because i would love to do it but i have to get up early on on monday mornings Coffee. uh yes well that's one way to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, um yeah the zoo bomb is basically just a bunch of folks that grab little mini bikes kids bikes or tiny bikes uh, small for the size of the human being riding them that uh, you you roll down this uh, amazing amazing stretch of road from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill and you get up there using the uh, the max public transit the light rail and the elevator that goes up to the zoo hence the name zoo bomb but that place is pretty fantastic oh yeah what else would you see on the bikerama tour on the bikerama 
typically we'll look at sort of bike intersections. So, so we'll go up to uh, the intersection of, um, let's see, it's kind of like, I think it's called, oh, crumb. That's <laughs> watch, cool. Watch me totally fail here. No so, worries. Uh, you cross over the uh, the steel bridge and then you work your way up that switchback. Uh-huh. And there's the bicycle-specific intersection there. Oh, yeah. So we, we take a little bit of time, stop there. We'll, we'll watch a couple waves go through. Uh, we typically time that tour actually towards 4 p.m. because that's when you start to get your bike commute traffic. It's like the commute home exactly. rush hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and people are like, oh, what? There's bike traffic here? It's like, yeah, it's kind of fun. You <laughs> Holy get to, like, shit. Wave at a lot of people as you go home, <laughs> yeah. uh, depending, yeah. on your, uh, depending on your desire to get home and your aggravation status. But um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we head up uh, towards... Uh, Tillamook, and so we'll go up, and there's actually a, a pretty neat intersection that was put in um, sort of towards where the uh, Broadway Bridge gets over, and it's called a Copenhagen Left. Oh, so yes. um, there's one of those in place there, and it was designed or named after its invention over in Copenhagen, where basically you, you take a right turn and then you merge into a perpendicular street in a fashion that allows you to not have to cross through four lanes of busy traffic yes. coming off. So of instead the of having Bridge. to merge left, you stop and yeah, your bearings. Yep, swing a right, hang a left, and uh, yeah. then you're you're aligned in a in a good fashion. So yeah, just sort of like little stuff like that. The um the bike pies that you'll see, which have now been uh, replaced a little bit more with sharrows. You oh, guys are right. mentioning that. I've never heard them called bike pies before. Bike it's pies. like the little round. Yeah, the uh, little round thing with a bike on thermoplastic it. things uh, on yeah, the pavement. Yeah, yeah, they're starting to to wear out. I mean, the, they are. The city of Portland has focused a lot more on putting in sharrows, uh, just because they're a lot more visible, mm-hmm. and it also lets people in vehicles. Uh, have that awareness that they're probably going to see people on bikes on right. that road um, instead yeah. of just like, oh, bike, take a left turn here. Um, but yeah, so we, we cover that sort of stuff. Um, check out um, bike corral sweaters. You know, some people knit little sweaters for the uh, bike staples around town. <laughs> yarn bombing. The yarn bomb, exactly. Yeah. You know, be nice to your frame. <laughs> have um, you been up to, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of where it is, up in St. John's in the town center. Uh, there's some serious yarn bombing oh, that's been yeah. done up there. Uh-uh. No, I've not. Yeah, it's like right off the St. John's Bridge, right where kind of uh, all the businesses are there. Uh, not too far from Plues Brews, which is a great brewery that I recommend highly. They got a bunch of great board games there. But uh, just Please across, put them back when you're done with them. Though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just across As the street. As the signs tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, near where the the Starbucks is, just across the street from there, there's a big plaza. And uh, there are large, like, I don't know how wide, like six foot wide planters that they have plants and stuff in. Um, so that's all covered. There's one that's completely covered in this sweater that was, you know, custom knit around this enormous concrete planter. And there's also yarn all over a lot of the bike staples that are there and around like uh, uh, sign poles and light poles and that sort of thing. It's it's a very impressive display. So, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a good time. Uh, I'm curious when you take people out on these tours, uh, what's the range of competency like are there some people that have never ridden a bike before or just don't ride regularly it's there's there are a few people who haven't ridden regularly we gear all of our tours to the beginner to intermediate level so the really the only thing that will stop us from taking someone out is if they develop or um, demonstrate like a severe deficiency in being able to bike like if they if they're out on the sidewalk you're like oh you know take it for a spin up and down uh you know see if the seat's the right height for you and you know they fall over after five feet We'll try it another time. Yeah. And then we'll probably, you know, have that talk of like, oh, maybe you want to like hang out at the shop while, uh, <laughs> while the rest of the tour goes out. Uh, and, Would you and like some coffee and cookies? Keep the company, yeah. yeah. Have a beer, you know. <laughs> um, so, no, we, we take most people out and you'll, you'll see a varying level. I've, I've seen a pretty large age range uh, over the summer. And because people would keep asking me, uh, we, we get, for some reason, a lot of folks from um, some Southern California, uh, Texas and New York seems to be our most popular states for uh-huh. folks coming to visit. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you why. I can tell you that they're pretty fun to hang out with. And yeah. it's, it's good to have uh, folks from diverse backgrounds coming on the tours. But yeah, we'll take we'll take any age, any range. Uh, we've got trailers we can hook up if folks want to take their kids along on the tour. Oh, nice. That sort of thing. So yeah. What has been the youngest the like, youngest customer so far? Uh, as we had like a six month old. You're um, kidding me. The legal limit in yeah, Oregon. Yeah. Something. No, we, uh, well, we were, uh, the, the only confunding part of that was we almost didn't have a helmet. It was oh, small sure. enough for them. I bet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just swaddled, swaddled them up and, uh, put them in the back of the trailer. That was actually a, a, a chartered tour. There was a group, uh, who does different things in different parts of the city. So that was, uh, actually about 14 people that went out and they chose the rainiest day I've seen like, <laughs> all, uh, fall. So by the end of the tour, they actually, um, biked through Salmon Street Fountain because they're like, screw it, we're wet anyway. Right. Like, what are we going to lose? Yeah. <laughs> They found out that the shoes were slightly more wet, but other than that, they were pretty pretty drenched in anyway. it. There you go. That man, that that's crazy. 
I've always wanted to do that and never have. I think it's because I have a Brooks saddle. I have a leather saddle, and exactly. so I'm afraid of like going through. <laughs> totally. I need to get a good like pedal palooza bike that I can just abuse. <laughs> no, I just don't care about it. Get at one all. in the Portland single speeds. Serious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, very cool. And uh, as far as like the range of how far people travel, like uh, I'm sure you've occasionally had international customers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get folks over from China every now and then. Uh-huh. Actually, folks from seems like Sweden and Finland are pretty popular quite a few australians quite a few new zealanders okay uh it's sort of a mix you know it seems like about once a week or so during the summertime someone from a pretty far away destination will walk in the shop whether that's uh wanting a rental or wanting to go on a tour we also do bike rentals so okay um, that's yeah all we do we do all sorts of stuff (laughs) everything under the sun we try yeah and you mentioned going out to the gorge is that something you've done in the past or you're just looking to do so i hope i don't have to eat my words here Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah in the past we did winery tours out into the willamette valley and we also had a gorge tour we are are thinking about rebooting the gorge tour for this season we might might see next season um we're sort of starting to wait and see how the bike share program goes and how that impacts the rental businesses. Uh, I know a lot of other rental businesses around town are sort of on that wait and see zone. Typically you see like a four year slump. So that would be something to diversify our portfolio. You know, if people are going to be renting like a city bike in, in the downtown area, you know, Hey, we could still take you out to the gorge, uh, go see crown point. Um, and then go to Multnomah falls. We had done it in the past and the the biggest issue was sort of timing for us. Um, we just picked up a e-bike and we're, we're, actually really um, in into checking out what e-bikes can do not only for uh, the tourism aspect but also just you know helping timing a little bit where we can bike more spend more time with the clients but also have vehicles where they need to be for those longer tours yeah yeah that uh, that would be an interesting way to make it more accessible to people absolutely which is cool yeah. Um, yeah, the gorge is a beautiful place. Uh, we've actually got a, a piece in the news that we'll mention briefly oh, yeah. later on about Some of my that. favorite rides that are yeah. all out there. Yeah. Well, and so much, I mean, obviously well, there's Cascade Locks Brewing if you get that far out yep. and, um, <laughs> Thunder Island or excuse me, Thunder Island Thunder Brewing Island in Cascade Brewing. Locks. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. And then of course, uh, walking man in Stevenson, I'm a big fan of, and I've never been to Carson yet. I know there's a couple of breweries out there that I haven't yet been able to try. Carson is harder to get to by bike yeah. in a day. There's but. a there's a pretty neat trail that connects out there. They just finished doing the the uh, was it scenic bikeways of Oregon? Yes. Yeah, along so, the 84 corridor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they they have a real nice connection there now. You still have to take some stairs just before Cascade Locks, uh, but it makes yep. it very accessible. Um, my favorite way to take it actually is to take the Max out towards the end of Gresham, and then mm-hmm. it's a really nice bike just up to Corbett, and you're on the on the pathway. So it's a pretty totally. good way to go. Oh, I never thought about doing it that way. Yeah, it's yeah, it's oh. like uh, about 11 miles, and then you're in the gorge. Right. On. Yeah, yeah, it works out really nicely. And would you go out by Stark? Is that how you usually get out there? Uh, I have not taken Stark yet. I can't okay. remember exactly which one. It's all right. No worries. <laughs> I know that the Stark Street Hill, um, after Troutdale has a really nice descent down to the river. And then the Stark Street Bridge is one of those classic old, like, uh, I don't know what the bridge type is, but it's really great. And then, uh, Dabney is right there. So it's a great, like watering hole. You, you get a watering hole before you even need one. It's great. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the gorge is fantastic. Um, well, let's see. So Speaking of going other places, you have been traveling quite a bit yourself as well, like on your own. Have you led any long-distance tours? I haven't led any long-distance bike tours. Um, part of the degree I had was in outdoor leadership. That's so, right. Yeah, so you I mentioned do, that. Yeah, I, I have taken groups out into the wilderness environment for you know up to a week at a time um, and have held various guide positions as such. Um, so not on bikes. That would be something uh, I was interested in. Actually, I was, I was looking at a... a company in africa that did bike tours before i landed in portland for a spell so it's it's you know it it could be on the horizon um but mostly just personal trips for this point in time yeah Uh, did you go with groups or on your own so i've done three tours uh up to this point just connecting little segments of the west coast um and the most recent tour i did was from portland oregon down to san diego california and I started that trip with a good buddy of mine from the east side of the state and ended with uh, 10 people that were all sort of 
culminating in San Diego just before the holiday season. Nice. Nice. It was just like people you met along the way. Yeah. It seemed like a lot a of folks rolling were rolling snowball. Yeah. Like picking up, you know, picking up uh, speed as you went. Folks were trying to plan their trip to get done by Christmas so they could go see family friends. And so, um, through Oregon, we saw zero people, uh, that were on bikes, which was like kind of eerie, but you know, sure. so it goes, um, it's pretty typical for the, the season that I did. I started the trip on November 10th. And typically if you do see people in Oregon, those will usually be folks that started up in Alaska and they're trying to time the season down into South America. Okay. So yeah. that's, that's why you'll see them moving through at that point in time. As we got closer to San Diego, um, like in fact, just in Crescent City, right over the border to California, we saw our, our first two other bicycle tourists. Um, and then and it's, it's after sort like of, a week of riding, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, and then from that point onward, um, it, it seemed like a little bit more common, hap- common stance to see folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, it's, I, I don't know if there is like an off season. There's definitely like the cold season. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously people are kind of doing it all year round, especially if they're doing the really long distance trips. But, mm-hmm. and the coast is a good route for the winter as well. You know, you get the milder weather, the ocean helps regulate the temperature. Yeah. Uh, for example, if we were inland, the temperatures would have been probably 20 to 30 degrees colder, far more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, uh, you want to sit in your sleeping bag and sort of get out, <laughs> yeah. and get out and cycle, uh, not have to worry about snow. Yeah. Um, so the coast is a great route for the winter time. Uh, you know, besides the storms, we only really got rained out once. Um, of course, my definition of rain is based on Portland standards. Right. But Which is already was... kind of a notch above many other definitions of rain. Yeah. Well, I've also spent time up in Ketchikan, which has the second, okay. second most rainfall of um, any city in the U.S. So yeah, um, it yeah. puts Portland to shame, actually, at about 165 inches a year. Oh, wow. That's pretty intense. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, my sister's husband is from Ketchikan. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. it's, uh, I've just heard tales about like the, the ferocity of the weather up there. Yeah, it's pretty swell. <laughs> it's a great place to go if you like rain. Many swells, yeah. I'm sure. Great community up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it, well, there's only like one road in Ketchikan, right? Like, that's correct. As I've heard. Yes, there is. And it's pretty, uh, just insular, not like in a bad way, but like insular, just as far as like, there's not a lot of places to go when you're there. So everybody kind of knows each other. There's a sense of, uh, of tighter knit community than you get somewhere else, I suppose. Yeah, there's definitely a community there. Uh, it's sort of interesting. The, the main part of the town will be open in the, uh, summertime, because that's when all the cruise ships are coming up. Ketchikan is typically the first stop of the cruise lines uh, that are heading out of Seattle. And what happens is during the wintertime, uh, the town sort of shifts a mile and a half down the road to where most of the events happen for the folks that live there year round. Interesting. So, uh, but yeah, there's a great community up there. The road's really fun to bike on. Um, there's actually, when I was staying up there, there was uh, one other warm showers host there. I don't, I don't know if we feel like going into that sure, uh, realm, right. but uh, we, we contemplated just biking up to go say hi to them and coming back down. So yeah, it's, it's a great little community up there. That's awesome. Do they just call it the road? Um, just the highway, yeah, the road. I love I, that. I mean, to be honest, I can't remember what we were calling it. That's fantastic. Um, but but the, yeah, I mean, like you really don't, it doesn't need a name if there's only one, right? Yeah, you, you kind of just say, oh, I'm going to town or like, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a south side and the north side, which are not actually geographically south and north. Um, it's just how the island is rooted. Sure. So, um, you know, there's a south end of town and et cetera. So the city's pretty much in the middle of mm-hmm. it. So pretty accessible for most folks. Yeah. I was thinking it's almost a tale of two cities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we did some, uh, interviews up there and it was kind of funny for the folks that like to get out and ride, you know, they're training for an iron, iron man, they're training for a century. Sure. They'd be like, well, you know, you <laughs> either get on, um, some trainers or you really have to ride the same section multiple times because there's really not that much roadway up there. Sure. Um, but folks make it work. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not a lot of variety in, in your, uh, in your touring routes. Exactly. Or training rides. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get real good at liking the same scenery, which is great. I mean, there's yeah. bears, golden eagle, or excuse me, bald eagles. Okay. Um, lots, lots of great stuff to take your mind off the road. Right. And lots of fish. Yes. Yeah. Lots of fish. So what, where else did you tour to? Uh, so the first tour I did started out of Forest Grove, uh, just west of Portland, and home I biked, of the McMinniman's Grand Lodge Hotel. Of, yes, then the wonderful soaking pool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great place there. So I started there and took my time. Took about nine days going up to Bellingham, Washington. Oh, there you go. And that was actually um, during one trip up into Alaska for the summertime. I've worked uh, several seasons up in Alaska doing various things, and um, I thought it would be fun to take my bike to the ferry port to hop on a ferry up to Ketchikan for that season. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. It was quite a great trip. Washington has some amazing bike paths actually kind of put, or he's puts Oregon to shame in some respects. That's the thing about the city of Seattle and Aaron, have you, you haven't really spent a lot of time in Seattle, right? I haven't been to Seattle at all. Oh really? Just to the airport. Make this happen sometime now. (laughs) Uh, Seattle has an impressive network of off-road paths. 
Um, and obviously it's, it's a bit of a bigger city. There's a larger population. Um, but compared to Portland, like Portland has the spring water and Marine drive. And that's pretty much all it has in the way of, of bike paths. There's also a pretty good one out to boring. If you, if you like the off-road route at the bottom of spring water, you can head eastward. That's right. And actually they paved that by now. Yeah. It just got finished up about a month ago, I think. And eventually there's plans to pave out to Sandy and connect to like a Barlow road sort of, uh, access. Yeah. It's a long-term plan. It'll take a while (laughs) to get implemented, but I think it's, it's on the way. Is that a rails to trails or I might be. Okay. I am not entirely sure. Um, I heard about it and got really excited and it's been some time. So yeah, the facts aren't, aren't in my head at the Uh, moment, but, but yeah, I know they're working on the highway 26 corridor to improve, uh, active transportation. Of course, the mountain shuttle is now running, which is super cool. And by the way, um, the, I believe they call it the mountain express. It's a damn sexy bus. (laughs) It's got those like slanted, like diagonal line, uh, sixties sort of windows on it. Okay. So yeah, good looking machine. And only two bucks from Sandy to Timberline Lodge if you want. Oh, that's wow. not bad. That's yeah, great. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, but Seattle has an amazing network of, of paths and whatnot. Did you go through Seattle? Did you go like along the I-5 or did you go around the, uh, the peninsula? So I was on a timeline to try to catch my ferry. I did take the I-5 corridor okay. um, and stayed various places along the way. There was a, a really sweet trail actually out of Tacoma called the Inner Urban Trail. Oh yeah. Which was probably one of my favorites actually. I grew up like not too far from there. So the Interurban has tons of memories for me. Yeah. Oh absolutely. It's just really nice. Uh if you like the morbid post apocalyptic type of riding, you're just sort of weaving your way through these train yards and industrial sites. Um yeah. riding yeah. under these large power line structures. But I, I found it pretty cool. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's named the Interurban because it's the route of a trolley that used to connect uh I think maybe like from Everett down to Tacoma or something. It was okay. a really long distance trolley route. Uh, sadly, it was pulled up, but happily, it's uh, the corridor is still there for bikes to use and uh, people of all human powered persuasions. So yeah, uh, that's that's really nice, nice route up there. So I, I'm curious, and Aaron, do you have anything? I, I don't want to. No, cool. I'm <laughs> I'm just curious with a background in outdoor leadership. What mm-hmm. uh, what do you notice about like? introducing people to nature because i'm sure on these trips that you've led and stuff you've done getting people out like you're bound to have worked with some people that don't have a great familiarity with nature yeah absolutely so what do you notice about that like um do you have any great stories of people like thinking they wouldn't like nature and then finding out they did yeah um there so part of part of leadership for me is, is always, uh, you want to make sure that you're managing people's expectations, but you also want to create these environments for them in which they feel challenged, but not so much that it's, it's frustrating or, or that they want to be cut off from the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times, you know, uh, I had done a couple trips for the university. Uh, we have these freshman orientation programs where you take people rock climbing for a week or, or sea kayaking, um, Etc. And and a lot of times those are people that are coming out into the, the the wilderness, if you will, for for the first time, and especially in a context of you know more than just a day trip or something like that. Yeah. Um. So so making sure that those people feel comfortable, safe, and secure, but also pushing them to uh, sort of achieve goals or something like that. Um, so for example, rock climbing, you know, um, it's a, it's what we like to call a a low risk, high reward scenario where there's high perceived risk. Um, but as long as you're following protocol, there's actually very, very few things that can go seriously wrong. um, if if you know what you're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. So like managing the safety. Well, exactly. It's not creating an illusion of challenge because the challenge is, is largely mental, right? Exactly. Like someone trying to get over their own. And, and that's the great thing about a lot of the things is is the people that come uh, out to these trips, to these experiences, they're as challenged as as they want to be. Um, so, you right. know, it's your job to engage them and to, to nurture and to try to foster that relationship with their experience. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of my college training actually dealt with some of that. I took a course uh, that dealt with some, some outdoor uh I guess it was probably outdoor leadership. I, you have a degree in it, so you know probably more about uh, well, it than well, I do. Uh, yeah, minor in outdoor leadership, <laughs> uh, a degree in environmental studies. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I like the idea that, yeah, basically it's like it, you're not going to force anybody to do anything. Because I remember I worked with groups of kids back in the day, and, and we took uh, a group of kids to a challenge course one time. And uh, it was staffed by the most utterly incompetent challenge oh. course <laughs> staff you could possibly think of. Yeah, They weren't doing any of those things. So it was, in, instead of like leading someone to the point where they're going to choose to do a thing, Mm-hmm. Like nobody got pushed or anything, sure. but it was, there was a lot of emotional pushing. Yeah. It was, uh, it was not conducive to like a healthy development of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, courage or, or, you know, resolving a challenge. So yeah. yeah. 
probably one of uh, the most challenging environments. That's that's a really good point there is that, you know, you, you really can't force people to do something. Um, I, I did work a season uh, at a zipline company. I uh-huh. was actually up out of Ketchikan. So we, w- we would get the folks that were coming off of the tour ships and you'd get all sorts of folks. And, and really what it came down to was, was coaching those people and, you know, making them uh, or helping them feel uh comfortable in that experience because you get you get some people who um you know their their cousin signed them up and they're absolutely terrified of heights (laughs) i didn't want to do this (laughs) i didn't even know we were doing this (laughs) (laughs) hey where's the boat (laughs) so um yeah yeah, it it was a it was a very interesting thing because uh you're moving these people through this course and of course like as uh on the tour schedule you know you have to have them back at the ship by by a certain time or else the ship is gone so four days um, not forever not forever yeah it's usually about five hours uh it's pretty typical so um, yeah that was a very interesting experience uh, and just working with people in that context and and a very you know you want to get to know them you want to be personable but you also you have two hours to do your thing right and you you try to keep it interesting you i mean try to stay genuinely engaged and i noticed that the people that were the most successful with working with uh people who are coming on the zip line were those that that could sort of um do good coaching or, or, you know, relate well to their clients. Right. Yeah. Uh, setting up pins that are easy to knock down, I guess. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious just, uh, with your experience in this field, like how, how does this translate to someone that's trying to make maybe another uh, choice? Like maybe someone who's trying to start bicycling cause they like mm-hmm. the idea of it or someone who wants to, uh, any number of other things, someone who wants to change their environmental impact. Like, do you see that, uh, your experience with leading people in outdoors type things? Uh, do you, do you see a bleed over? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things I I'm very into it is just trying to help assist as many people onto bikes as want to mm-hmm. ride bikes. And, and so a lot of that boils down to, um, sort of helping that experience in a way that encourages people to ride and to be comfortable but um, not necessarily dumping too much information on somebody at the same time. You know, uh, we get a lot of people that come into the shop that are, are thinking about picking up riding again or haven't really ridden in Portland. This also happens a lot on the tours is people come from large cities, uh, for example, Los Angeles. And they're like, if I tried to do this in L.A., I would die, you know, right, right. or at least that's the perception. Percept- I was um, going to say, yeah, that's so, a good word for it. Exactly. So so helping those folks, um, you know, using language that's like really easy to understand you know i wouldn't go talking about like a crank set with a you know 17 to 42 tooth ratio you're like you're like here's a bike um you know you want to stand up on your tiptoes is about where most people like it you know go take it for a spin see how you feel yeah Um, and just being really encouraging and and open to anybody who wants to come in and and get a bike very good yeah yeah i love the challenge by choice principle like I, i feel like there's it depends on the kind of people you hang out with and, and like, you know, how idealistic those people are, but there can be a trend for if you hang out with people who really care about, um, the environment or like, you know, social factors of the way that our cities are built or any other number of things that need change. Um, obviously, obviously you can't do it all at once, but I think some people are so idealistic and so like driven that it can be a little off putting to someone who doesn't necessarily, they aren't as convinced or they aren't sure where to start. So like, Baby steps, I guess. Yeah, and getting absolutely. people into a thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, challenge by choice is a great, uh, great principle in my mind. Yeah, and just yeah, being encouraging and, and making sure that that you meet folks where they're at, and then go with them where they want to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably hit our headlines. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, for the past about year and a half or so, I've run a blog called PinchFlatFortune.com. Um, and, and the name for the blog basically came from it's, it's the good things in life that slow you down. I was so, curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it, you rolled off the tongue. Um, but also, uh, I, I, I do tend to get a lot of flats when I bike. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, I say I have very good flat luck because right. again, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's the things that when you're on the side of the road trying to get your tire back on that you're like, Oh, Hey, this is a pretty sweet spot. And just sure. taking that time. So, um, after that philosophy, it's a bicycle touring blog. I also have uh, several videos that I've posted. I, I like to do video projects. We've got some interviews with, um, commuters, et cetera, up in Ketchikan, um, and looking to be adding to that content in the future, but pinch flat fortune. Excellent. All right. Well, Guthrie straw, thank you for joining us. And, uh, can you stick around for uh, some news and things? Ah, my pleasure. Excellent. Odds and ends. All right. All right, Aaron, you ready for this? I think I am. All right. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as you can into the morning.
can into the daylight, pedal just as fast as we can into the nightlight, pedal just as fast as the legs will let us, your pedal just as fast as we can into the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Multimodal Alaska Adventures. Uh, some poetry, a bus story, and ruminations on privilege. Yeah. This was such a well written article. It was uh, pretty great, yeah. Everybody go there. And not just because we got name checked, because Phil is a listener and he'll soon no, be a guest. Honestly, like that was that was like the least best part of Yeah. Of like what he took from that, honest honestly what he took from what he's talking about as far as privilege and everything, um, in my opinion, was far beyond what I thought we were talking about. I think it was great. I yeah. Th- I think he has some really great thoughts on it. Um, well, it's such I, a big issue. Like It really it needs is. a bunch of it voices is. to kind of flesh out some of the ideas. But but I think he, he had put a great pin on it. So uh, very impressed. If you haven't already been to, I'm sorry, what the... Multimodal Alaska Adventures. Yeah, and it's multiakadventures.blogspot.com. Yes. And that's... Uh, Good old, good old Phil from Alaska, who introduced himself to us by calling us pansies <laughs> for complaining right. about the cold. <laughs> but he does have, a, he had an impressive ice beard, man. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Negative 14. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I think about that every time I'm writing and, you know, I, I want to like complain about the cold and I'm like, nope, I don't have a nice beard. Right. Right. I only got one once, but I did get one in in Oregon one time. Really? Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised. I've never had an ice. I, it wasn't it wasn't like substantial. Oh. There was some ice, but yeah, and uh, yeah, Phil has been writing some poetry, which is cool. Like it, past a uh, couple blog posts yeah. he's put up have had just you know some explorations of stuff he sees around. I don't think it was this post, but there was one that he wrote about watching two homeless guys in Anchorage tear apart somebody else's belongings that were in a paper a plastic bag and oh, like, i don't think i read that one and wondering what you know how to how to feel about not intervening because like that bag was full of maybe someone's only possessions right. it, it was really like it was a fascinating exploration of a bunch of things all at once so and there was some great stories but he has he's got some good bus stories because he uh multimodal Alaska adventures um he rides the bus and rides a uh, a bike to work so yeah a bunch of great experiences with that so check it out right on um, Bike Safe Boston, a field guide to predicting vehicle driver behavior. Yeah, and this is from Josh Zissen, the bicycle lawyer based out of Boston. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we haven't mentioned them recently, but I want to make sure people know they're still available. We have his uh, bicycle accident report cards, yes, which uh, are a fantastic way to keep track of what you need. Like, should you get into an accident or a crash or, you know. Some people have complained about like the word accident because like nothing's an accident. And I mean, in a way, I agree with them, but I also don't want to mince words. It's yeah. uh, it's basically like if you need a place to write down information, if you get into some sort of bad predicament on a bicycle, whether that be you know two bikes or a bike in a car or or whatever else, um, you don't always have the frame of mind, the state of reference to be able to to say, oh, these are the pieces of information I need. So Josh's cards are these nice little wallet size; they fold in half. And on the inside, there's uh, spaces to put down basically everything you need in the event of a crash. So, yeah, uh, if you want those, I still have a bunch of them. So let me know. Um, We've been doing self-addressed stamped envelope stuff lately, which is cool. And I should say, I think uh, the interior of these cards is probably good for anybody nationwide. The back of the card has Oregon-specific bike laws. but The information itself. Yeah, or the information gathering itself is definitely useful. Right. So uh, Bike Safe Boston, if you want to find out if there's someone that has cards for your state near your area, or if you're in Portland, we've got them. Get in touch. We'll, we'll get them to you. Uh, but yeah, uh, he had this uh, guide to vehicular profiling, and it's just kind of this enter- entertaining sort of uh, blog post full of like, this is what to expect if you see one of these. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then lastly... Lastly, Bike Portland, Travel Oregon needs your input on bicycling in the Columbia River Gorge. Yeah, and this is and, uh, this is the yeah. first time, as far as I know, and I think they may have said this in the article, one of the first times that uh, anyone has solicited information about riding in the gorge. Um, I know there have been some studies recently, because that new path that you mentioned, Guthrie, just went in, and uh, it changed the, the way that people get to Cascade Locks, definitely. There's also a new segment. I think this article talks about getting from Cascade Locks to Hood River. There's a new off-road paved segment that they're planning and will be built someday. So. Oh. I, I can't remember what the timeline is on that. Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I know it's a little spottier than the first part. Right, right. Well, at, at this point, getting from Cascade Locks to Hood River along the Columbia River, 
basically you have to ride on Interstate 84. Yeah. And we may have described before on a previous show the curve of death, yep. which Adele <laughs> and I rode, I think uh, we rode westbound on, and it wasn't nearly as bad as the eastbound side. And I really can't. I, it might have been Russ and Laura on Pathless Pedal, I think. It Did probably they? was. Yeah, okay. I've, I've heard them describe it as the death wall before. Yeah, yeah. It's just like there's very little space on the side of the road. It's a blind corner. And uh, if you're a truck on the road, or if you're driving a truck, or if you happen to be a truck, um, you're going <laughs> to be in the road. Then you would be more than meets the eye. <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> but you're going to be in the right-hand lane because uh, that's where big vehicles tend to hang out. So basically, you've got all this danger of being sheared against this big rock wall by a large metal vehicle. Uh, scary place to be. So once this path goes in, it's going to be way easier to ride on the Oregon side. Yeah, yeah. I should say that the Washington side is lovely. Oh, yeah? So Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you're planning a trip out <laughs> that way. I recommend it highly. So, yeah. And with that, uh, we give you the mail. I did my best, uh, my best welcome tonight veil impression there. Oops, this is the wrong one. You've got mail. Oh, dang it. Looks like we'll have to go with that one. No, 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 no. It's anticlimactic (laughs) because this one is way better. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. (laughs) Uh, Our own Aaron Flores, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to mention it's me every time. I do, because it's so good. Uh, Robert, on Elevated Cycleway. Thanks for the shout-out, re, or regarding, my tweet on Lisbon. You guys are the best. Here's an alternative, and I think correct view, of the proposed elevated bikeways in London that you discussed a couple episodes ago. Bad idea. This is classic magpie architecture. And this is the quote. Yeah. Sorry. Quote, this is classic magpie architecture, attempting to attract people to big, shiny things that dazzle but have little functional value in the development of a city. Then again, Foster is a master of building big, shiny things. Ideas like these are city killers, removing great numbers of citizens who could be cycling down city streets past shops and cafes on their way to work or school and placing them on a shelf far away. Oh, just went to editing mode. Hold oh on. yeah. There we are from everything else. All this in a city that is so far behind in reestablishing cycling as transport that it's embarrassing with most of the population already whining about bicycles on the streets, sticking them up in the air out of the way is hardly going to help returning bicycles to the urban fabric of the city. Yeah, that's from Copenhagen Eyes, a popular bicycle website. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if I agree or not. I, I like the idea of bicyclists being on the road next to businesses, you know, uh, and Jonathan Moss on Bike Portland has done a bunch of talk about that because that's Certainly. a hard, it's a surprisingly hard thing to do here in Portland. Like most of the commercial streets are auto centric streets and it's intimidating, especially for a non experienced rider. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a tough but, thing. But the statistics would say having them biking through the streets and near near shops like is better for the economy better for business better right for, yeah right. well better for business better for the economy better for the city yeah but also uh, i think of like the historic la bikeway that you know i believe was partially built but quickly uh, abandoned yeah great idea great idea it just like for the cool factor alone if not for you know if not for the uh, the added safety and the separation from vehicular traffic and everything, I, I am torn. So I don't know what I think. I'm sure there's no clear-cut answer. Right. Um, Guthrie, I mean, do you have one? Nope. No. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've survived with an interstate for a number of years. True enough. Yeah, and for better or for worse, much of our infrastructure is organized around those interstates you know a lot of the economy is based on where the exits and entrance ramps are on those Mm, yeah convenience Um, marts and gas stations yeah 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 yeah. but um i don't yeah i don't know that having some separation some safety feels good but i also i also see the point of like you know we are kind of made to fart around where other people are and, <laughs> right and to just yeah i don't know it's good about there, there are shops that i that i bike by that i probably wouldn't 
know even exist if I hadn't biked by them. For sure. Yeah. And the limited access, that is a good point. Like I can see this being great for like a huge city. If you wanted to go from one side of the city to the other, great for commuting. But yeah, again, if you want to stop and do grocery shopping, you want to stop at a bar, a coffee shop, uh, the library, a bookstore, whatever. Uh, it's much difficult, much more difficult to do that if you have limited access. Yeah. I think in the end we should just flip a coin and go with one decision. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you flip that coin, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, we got a card from Richard in Texas. Yes. In it your hand. features a beautiful bicycle on the front. That is and, a nice bicycle. Yeah. Richard, who um, wrote one of our iTunes reviews, says, Brock and Aaron, thanks for making such an amazing podcast. I enjoy every episode. Oh, cheers wow. from one of your Texas friends, Richard. He also says, please enjoy some stickers from my neighborhood. May I have one of yours? Oh, no way. We got stickers? We got stickers from Bike Friendly Richardson. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so uh, we'll be sporting those somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnny K on Making Listeners. <laughs> Confucius say you can force sound into a person's ears, but you cannot make them a listener. That is correct, yes. <laughs> Speaking and of uh, Johnny K. I was going to say, should we mention? Yes. Uh, we proposed a contest, uh, what, about a month ago for early... Uh, start over for ellie blues bike economics no no bikes in space you should say this you're better at for, it for bikes in space a <laughs> feminist and sci-fi anthology yes yeah a great collection yes. of short stories and we uh we have now have both read it so we're giving it away and johnny k takes the cake for the best submission for what you would do with a bike in space yeah, quite detailed yeah definitely so johnny k uh we'll be in touch we'll send that off to you we'll get something out to you yeah i have an idea but yeah Anyways, lastly, uh, no, not lastly, second, no, third, no, yes, third from lastly. <laughs> There's so much mail. <laughs> Dan in Minnesota, someday I'm going to bicycle to Portland and we will drink Old Crow and ride bicycles. I swear I remember seeing Aaron Flores in Bemidji, Minnesota. Good show, drink good beer, and have fun. And it's possible. I have spent a number of summers in Bemidji, Minnesota. Okay, all right. Very possible. The, the elusive Aaron Flores. It's great in August. Uh, spotting in the wild. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's a film of me somewhere in Bemidji, Minnesota, of me like walking away from the camera, looking back just slightly. Yeah, yeah. And then looking forward again. <laughs> and you can tell it's you because of the distinctive torso movements. Yes, yes. No other human <laughs> makes those movements. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was turned out, it actually, it was another guy in a suit. It was another guy yeah. in an Aaron Flores suit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Squash. Ginny Twitters. Are you guys familiar with have you ridden hashtag ragbri? Ragbri. I said no, we have not. I don't know what this is. I've never been to Iowa. It is the it stands for what? The race across Good Brothers Iowa. Greater. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So it's, it's, it's what? It's a race across Iowa? It's a race like, across Iowa on bicycles. The, the state. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's kind of this big rolling party, kind of like Cycle Oregon, but like I think, I think they party more than Cycle Oregon does. Was there a video in Film by Bike about Rag There may have been. I don't remember one this year, but I yeah, think I there like have been the past year or two. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, it sounds like a fantastic party. And uh, Zach from Fort Collins with the Bikes and Beer Show and uh, a bunch of his cronies, I think, have been out there before and, oh. and done Rag So, So... I imagine Iowa to be pretty flat. I would imagine yeah. it to be. Yeah. A lot yeah. of corn. Lot, lots of fields. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On the cob so with butter. Maybe this, even though it's long, maybe not quite as hard. Oh, maybe. I think they drink hard too, so maybe that makes it harder. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you are. Right. It's and like how having much you a, drink. It's like having a handicap in golf. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I would love to do that someday. <laughs> golf? No, uh, ragby. Oh. <laughs> oh. Fuck golf. <laughs> I've done that. It's no fun. <laughs> Uh, Ethan Seltzer from Pedal Power and episode 49 saw this article and thought of you. I had a chance to test drive this trike and it's pretty cool. A bit expensive in my mind, but cool. While I see a lot of people talking about how the electric assist trike will be great for hills and transporting goods, I think it opens up bike commuting to people who live a good di distance away from their destination on heavily traveled roads. And this is the organic transit elf vehicle. Oh, this is the yeah, elf that, yeah. he's, that he's sent us. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm keeping any eye on these folks and seeing how they expand. Yeah. And should we talk about elf a little bit? Do you want to 
just blurb your experience? Or? Yeah, definitely. I went out and tried one out, and I think at this point, what I'll do is I will put a, together like a bonus podcast episode. It'll be uh, what, like one eighty-seven B or something like that. And or wait, what are we on? One sixty-seven. Uh, sixty-eight. Ah, uh, one sixty-eight. B and uh, yeah, nope. I'll have now you got to wait till one eighty seven in three months. No, <laughs> later this week you'll be able to hear my interview with the uh, with the inventor of the elf and with a an elderly lady who uh, who owns one here in Portland. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and then um, a little just a some stupid sound of me driving one around. So <laughs> you mean you're in the car just going? <laughs> no, actually, it, it's not as combustiony as that. It's more like a. <laughs> No, I thought you would be making this. Oh, okay, talking. yeah, I was. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> and then Jim, Tim also chimes in on this as well. Now that's a cool recumbent. Yeah, it is. Cool. And that's all we have. For all me. right. Well, hey, uh, Guthrie, thank you again for coming in. And uh, how was that beer? Oh, that's great. Yeah, the Breakside. You know, I just realized I still <laughs> I've been around and near Breakside for like four or five different times I can think of in the past year, and I've still have never tried Breakside, so I'm going to have to do that someday. But that day is not today. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this show up. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, and I feel like there's one more thing I wanted to say, but I have no idea what it was. So you know what? Chime in after the break. We're done. All right. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. I went out and did Man on the Street interviews for oh, Logan. Oh, that's right. Yes. Because Logan, bless his heart, gave us some money for our fundraising campaign a year and a half ago. And to this day, I have yet to fulfill that promise, but now I have the content. He even went so far as promise. to say like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, he said that I could, well, he wasn't saying I could half-ass it. He said I could like interview my friends or whatever, but I feel right. like man on the street interviews, like my friends aren't on the street. They're in their houses and stuff. So I went out to Hawthorne and stood there for like an hour and a half and just tried to flag down people. And, uh, I was actually, I had a technical issue with the iPhone and I thought I had lost all of the audio, and I was super bummed. Right, that would have sucked. Yeah, but it turns out, uh, despite the snafu, I was able to pull it off of my iPhone with uh, with auxiliary software. So we have that, and that will also be out sometime later this week. So this is a big week for content, folks. Uh, enjoy this Rocket Podcast three times. Three times. All right, we're done. Find us on the internet at thesprocketpodcast.com. Send feedback about the program and suggestions for topics and or guests and or drinks. Write to us via email. The address is thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Or call and leave us a message at 503-847-9774. You can also text that number. Connect with us on Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for providing our theme music. Thanks to Herbert for our headline sounder. And thanks again to Shadowfoot. Shadowfoot. For his reoccurring donations. Yeah. You know who else donated? Who's that? Guthrie. That's oh, not holy shit. We're giving you your money back. That's right. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's against the rules. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs>